You are listening to the Jesus Dietrich and Me podcast, episode number 47. Today we are beginning our journey through Dietrich Bonhoeffer's work about creation and fall. We hope that you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Jesus, Dietrich, and Me. My name is Tyler, and across from me, as they are, and as Pastor Hill has been for the last uh, oh, year plus, uh, Pastor Hill, and yeah. what did you say? You said hi. Waving. You said hi. Cool. Awesome. Okay. Never done that before. But <laughs> you're waving. You've never, never done that before. Never a good time to, or never a bad time to start new things. And uh, and also sitting next to him is, is Nick, uh, our vicar at the Family of God Lutheran Church. We have been walking you through, and hopefully um, you've been enjoying it, through some of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's, some of his sermons, some of his more popular works. And today we are going to try something a little bit different. Uh, We did mention last week that we were going to get these books, and uh, I don't think either any of us have really, we've heard of Bonhoeffer's work, Creation and Fall, um, but we've not really studied extensively. And Pastor Hill, this is probably the, maybe the only Bonhoeffer work that you haven't really. I hadn't owned this before. Yeah, haven't at least haven't owned it, and it's it's very interesting. Perhaps the only the only one that might be a little bit more dense <laughs> would be would be ethics. Is that yeah. probably fair to ethics say? Ethics is extremely dense. Yeah, that's one of those where you need a a, a nice glass of whiskey. And uh, and you read it one sentence at a time because that's about all you can contemplate. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, so today, yes, we're gonna we're gonna attempt uh, this attempt to walk you through uh, just just the work itself. We're gonna start with the introduction. So this is a book. If you want to, if you want to follow along, it's a book that's that's just it's just called Creation and Fall. It also uh, has temptation in it. Also. It's a nice blue cover with a very risque uh, cover, and it's published by Touchstone. So if you want, were interested in going to grab a copy, I think I got these copies for like twelve bucks a piece or something like that. So uh, the author's forward to the German edition. So uh, these are lectures that were delivered in the winter semester at the University of Berlin in 1932 and 1933 and are now made public at the request of those who heard them. So those who listened to Dietrich, God bless him, because <laughs> some of these things that, that we read is, uh, are, are pretty, pretty remarkable uh, and dense, like, like we said. Uh, but these were, these were lectures that he gave about it, and, and the, the students said, we want these made into a book. So here we are, and now we're going to share these. You're laughing. Yeah, I'm laughing because, you know, like the first thing I said to Nick this morning was, well, th- did this make you feel stupid? <laughs> <laughs> and I said yes. Yes, he said yeah. yes, and I said me yeah, too. It's, um, yeah, it's very it, – it, yeah, it's, it really makes you think about stuff because he's going to talk about about things like the beginning. What is the word? What is what – is, uh, what, is, what does it mean when God says that he saw? What is the day? All these things. And um, the actual – like the, the synopsis on the back – says that creation and fall, it's, it's Bonhoeffer's lucid and brilliant analysis of the first three chapters of Genesis. He discusses the seeming scientific naivete behind the creation story, God's love and goodness and humanity's creation, its free will and its blessedness. He also tackles difficult questions that are raised from the first book of the Bible, questions about the seemingly redundant second story of creation, about God's own beginning 
about the source of the light that was created on the first day. Uh, he then expounds on Adam and Eve's fall from grace. How could they? Creatures made in God's image have, uh, have thought to oppose God so, so foully. Where did the first evil come from? And how did humanity lose its right to live in paradise? So lots of things that he's going to tackle. Um, I think I don't I don't think I speak for all three of us, but I'm kind of excited <laughs> to go through this. Uh, but so well, the uh, the other thing I said to Nick this morning was, can you imagine sitting there with your notebook? I didn't say this notebook. 1932, as Bonhoeffer is firing this yeah, at you at 100 miles an hour in he, German. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and you're trying to take notes. And, and I told him. I said, if I'd have been there, I said, wait, wait, I have to go invent a tape yeah, recorder. Pl- yeah, please. Man, oh, man, yes. So, but you'll hopefully get a taste of that. So, without further ado, the introduction, which is Bonhoeffer also, and he begins this work with, I think, is just an incredible statement. The very beginning of this of this book says, the Church of Christ bears witness to the end of all things. It lives from the end. It thinks from the end. It acts from the end. It proclaims its message from the end. And then he quotes Isaiah 43, 18 to 19, where the prophet says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. The new is the real end of the old. Christ is the new. Christ is the end of the old. He is not a continuation of the old. He is not its aiming point, nor is he a consummation point or a consummation upon the line of the old. He is the end and therefore the new. So this is where I'm going to say um, this makes me think of the passion of the Christ. Mm-hmm. And a scene that almost everybody says is their favorite, uh, maybe most tear-jerking scene, which is, now it's up to you. I'd say it's my, I'd say that's uh, myself included. It's the, it's the scene, if you recall, so Jesus has been before before Pilate, before the council. They've, they've, they've ordered him to be crucified. And he's walking kind of through town and they pass Mary Mary's trying to see him. Mary's trying to catch a catch a glimpse of her son. And she sees him as he's walking and and just kinda of running parallel to Yeah, him. she's yeah, trying to keep up, trying to, to I think just to be there. She's trying everything that she can to be with her son because which what mother would not want to be with her son? And and again, this is this is not this is not in scripture. This is kind of the you know, Mel Gibson kind of took some liberties, but it's not it's not abs- it's not absurd. But she has she she sees him fall. So the cross, she, he kind of trips, he falls, probably from from just being so utterly weak, and and the cross falls on him and it presses his head to the ground, pushing the thorns even further into his skull. And and as Mary's watching this, the the movie pans to kind of like a flashback, where. Mary is is getting water from some from jars or, or something and and she looks over and she sees Jesus how old do you think that he was three yeah three or four maybe and he's running and he's playing in the dirt and and he trips and he falls and it looks like he might have skinned his knee you know might have got some certainly got some dust on his shirt and and, and she runs to, to her three-year-old son and she she wraps her arms around him and she says son I'm here and and then he kind of pa- it goes back to the scene now where Jesus has fallen, the cross is crushing him, and so she pushes her way to the crowd and she, and she runs over to him and she grabs him and she says, "Son, I'm here," and Jesus puts his hand on her face, and he says, "Mother, I am making all things new." 
and it's the really it, so he's he's pulling from Revelation 21. We said you know this this th- that part is not in Scripture, but it's not unbiblical, and and he he takes this this idea from or this this vision from from John's Revelation and uh, where he says, "Behold, I make all things new." And that's what he's doing in the crucifixion and in the resurrection. He, he's making all things new. And it just, at that point in the movie, you see, that's kind of the confession of this is why Jesus is dying. This is what, this is, what is going, going to happen next. So somewhere it says, uh, Jesus, or one of the epistle writers says, um, the old has gone, the new has come. Mm-hmm. The, the Corinthians? Yeah, we in our worldliness as Christians don't really think that. We think new and improved, right, mm-hmm. or revised, or um, we don't actually understand that you know Jesus is going to touch down on the last day, and everything that was is going to be gone, vaporized, and everything uh, that will come will be brand new, perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, not fixed, but perfect. Um, and so will we. You know, We won't be the new and improved Tyler, as I imagine it can be an improvement on Tyler, but we won't be the new and improved Tyler. It will be God's perfected perfection called Tyler. I mean, perfected means you went from something to something. Mm-hmm. So it's really difficult to, to contemplate get our minds around that uh, at this moment when Jesus, well actually I'll just go to the actual passion narrative, when he says it is finished yeah, that that means all things that were are now they may not be terminated yet, but they are done they're done, and everything that that is to be is already in motion Mm -hmm. so difficult for us to think like that so a lot of times on, especially televangelists, it seems that their whole theology is about end times. Yeah, they're trying to prepare you for it. Yeah, for the end yeah, or, times. Or, or not scary realizing you. that the whole Bible is the end times. It's all, I'm heading towards chapter one. The, the whole purpose from all eternity is First of all, un- we're unable to imagine what that means from all eternity. Um, but it was always Christ, and it was always God's plan of salvation from the moment, you know, first day. God creates, and that wasn't the beginning, really, I think, on Hoffer's saying. It was not like there was nothing before it. It's just a stage in the development of the end. And you can see why our heads hurt. <laughs> right. Uh, but we live in the now, I guess, and that's the, the part that's hard for us to wrestle with. We live in the now. Yeah, the Bonhoeffer's going to talk about in the in this first chapter, uh, which he calls the beginning. Um, just kind of what is that, what is that, what is the beginning? How, how do you describe the beginning? But he talks about us living in a middle place. Talks about living in the, the yeah, in in the now. The now is that middle place, and what what I really like about you know when he's talking about the creation story and the in the end of all things. If we know that that the entirety of Scripture speaks to who Christ, 
is about Christ. The, the beginning of the creation was, as Colossians says, is was made. All, all the entire earth was created through Christ for Christ. And what Bonhoeffer says in this introduction, he says that the creation story should be read in church in the first place only from Christ, and not until then is leading to Christ. We can read only, we can read towards Christ only if we know that Christ is the beginning, the new, and the end of our world. So this idea that you're talking about, Pastor, about Christ being that central focus of all of it, the end, the end passing, the new beginning, you can't really fully grasp, Bonhoeffer's arguing, the creation, I think this is what he's getting at, without fully understanding what Christ is going to do next what he has done and what he is going to do and what is what is the promise of what is to come so you can't until that's fully grasped which i don't know if we can ever fully grasp that but that's going to be really difficult to read the the creation story because the foundation of that of of what we believe is the the promise of the newness of life the old is gone the new has come and that's that foundation is is Christ, it, which is the which is that newness of life. Yeah. So, a few weeks ago we talked about. I think we struggled with the word and finally figured out it was the Odyssey. Yeah. So the the the. Yeah. The human says, "Why did he create the world when he knew? And if right. he didn't know, he's not God. He right. knew where this was going to go. Yes. And we're sitting there going, "Well, you know what? This makes no sense." Right. And God's like, I know. <laughs> I mean, he created the perfect world and planted Adam and Eve in the garden, uh, knowing that this was at best temporary and that his real purpose was not that, but rescue way down the road mm-hmm. through the cross and the creation of, of a new people and a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. And that's what Luther calls, I think, the hidden nature of God, or the un- unrevealed, or we have the revealed. We have the revealed God in Scripture, and there's some things, a lot of things, we can't even imagine how many things we don't know. Kind of like the the iceberg, right? Right. You see that analogy a lot. You get the tip of the iceberg. You get what God wants you to see, mm-hmm. but then underneath, <laughs> underneath it is uh, all kinds of things. That, that we don't know and may never know. Yeah, I think we said this before. God's real good on in the Bible with what? Not so good with why, why and how. Yes, right. <laughs> He's pretty good on when. <laughs> right, 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 but right. We want, uh, so we as people in the middle, now let's take Christianity out for a minute. We in, in, quote, scientific America are in the middle and we don't know. We don't know the beginning we certainly don't know the end but we're struggling with that we mm-hmm. want to know the beginning um, and we sure want to know the end mm-hmm. um, and all of that's impossible to know apart from scripture so yeah well it I mean God God's actually it's actually interesting God's so we, we hear about the beginning what God did at the beginning we don't hear much about the beginning before Obviously, the, the very the very first verse of scripture in the be- I mean that's what Genesis means, right? We don't hear much about the beginning other than in the beginning God created, 
and so as we as we transition into into part one, chapter one, called the beginning, uh, Bonhoeffer leads us with these first two verses. He says, "In the beginning, God created." This is no Bonhoeffer doesn't say this, but <laughs> Moses wrote this. God said it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. And kind of piggybacking on Pastor Jim's point about us wanting to know the beginning, God reveals to us about the end, but not the beginning. And Bonhoeffer says this in the very first paragraph of this of this lecture. He says, the Bible that the Bible should speak of the beginning provokes the world and irritates us. Mm-hmm. And that gets to what what you're saying. We want to know. We want answers. And we demand to know answers. But our our godless answers leave us empty. Right. Um, we end up with a purpose, purposelessness that oh, everything is just a random um, event. You know, such and such happened and we don't know how, but suddenly there's an explosion and everything just exploded into being, but we don't know where the explosion came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't even know where the material came from that formed the, the galaxy, and yeah. and then they contemplate, and one day it's all going to be sucked back down to another primordial spitball and then explode <laughs> again. <laughs> right. Thinking, okay. So Bonhoeffer calls this a circle? Yeah. <laughs> and a circle is part, you know, that's Buddhism, that's Hinduism. Yeah. Um, they, their religions promote that view of, of a purpose of life that's that's called a Mandela, that, that wheel of life that spins mm-hmm. and you may be going up or you may be going down but what they lack again is what's the purpose where did all of this begin and why and yeah. Yeah. I, I, like what, I like what Dietrich says here uh, this is the, the top of page 12 of, of the book he says that thinking cannot answer its own last why because an answer would again produce a why. <laughs> just what you just said. The why is much more the expression for the beginningless thinking par excellence. Our thinking, that is, the thinking of those that must go to Christ to know God, the thinking of fallen man has no beginning because it is a circle. We think in a circle, we feel and will in a circle. We exist in a circle. We might then say that the case that there is beginning everywhere it, it's lion king yeah. right yeah the circle, circle of, of life. life yeah uh, but let's go back a minute so in the begin- beginning god created right mm-hmm. he said that we sure did we should pause don't even get to create it in the beginning god that's enough to blow our minds yes we can't even say with with any sense of understanding what does it mean from all eternity god but we can't even get our minds around what eternity means it's it's like that magic word ineffable we just can't get there <laughs> right. from here um, so we discussed just a moment ago but not on the air um, we have a tendency to think that God is God because he created um, but that's wrong Right. why is that wrong it's momentary silence as he <laughs> digs through his answer bank and says, I don't know. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> <laughs> I believe in God the Father Almighty who created heaven and earth. First article, Apostles Creed. God is not defined by his act. 
right. he is not God because he created, and mm-hmm. uh, but he was he was God. He is a God who created. Yeah, and I'm saying when we get in the beginning, God. There ought to be a pause right there. Right. Because there's so much to that that we can't even uh, understand. Right. That. Well, and, and Dietrich talks about the the free God. God let is, him off the hook. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mister <laughs> Sir Nicholas. <laughs> Should I read it to you in German? Um, no. What is it? So w- way I get the better maybe not, not not a better way, but a different way of. So God is not defined by his action, right? Right. Right. God. So God does not define the creation. It's the creation is the creation that defines God. that is defined by God. Let me clarify. So clarify, creation yeah. does not define the creator, right? Because he pre-existed it. He's right beyond that. But we want to, in our humanness, we want to define God from our terms, and our terms is He created us. He's the creator, and so we can handle that. Mm-hmm. Because that doesn't take us into the realm of uh, who he was and uh, what he is before there was a creation. Um, that's even more unknowable than why he created the heavens and the earth. Right. He says Dietrich says that God himself, Christ, the Holy Spirit, no one can speak of the beginning but the one who was in the beginning. Thus, the Bible begins with God's free affirmation, free acknowledgement, free revelation of himself. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created. And then, yeah, so it's God, God is, God is not provoked to act, is what he's getting at here. He's not, he was not, there, there's no cause and effect. There is no cause for God to create because God acts according to what God wants to do. And he is he. So when he says he's a free being, that's that's what he's doing. He's he's always ha- he always has been, always will be. God acts upon because it, because of who God is, and there is nothing outside of God that defines God. So and you're on page fifteen. There's a quote. Mm-hmm. There's a quote. Oh yeah, I love I love that quote. I'd say I'm going to add a word to it so it makes more sense to the audience, but. Luther was once asked what God was doing before the creation of the world. We've just said that that's unknowable, right? Right. It's unknowable because it's not been revealed to us. Right? <laughs> his, answer, <laughs> his answer is hilarious. Luther's answer was that he was cutting canes, here's my insert, to beat people who ask such useless <laughs> questions. <laughs> yeah. I think, it, was it, who was it Luther too, that someone who was There's asking questions? a special questions? place in hell yeah, for, for people, people who ask those questions. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. People who ask these these silly questions about, you know, about, well, yeah, what was God doing at the beginning? Well, and I would, even the questions about, you know, why why did he create the earth if he knew that it was going to... Yeah, the whole theodicy yeah. thing, yeah. So, yeah, there's a special, obviously it was semi-tongue-in-cheek anyway, when you're asking questions that can't be answered because it's in the hidden nature of, of God, that, that which is not revealed, then, yeah, he's saying, he's saying you shouldn't even be asking the questions. Right. And elsewhere, more seriously, I think he says, or someone says, but I think it's him, those questions all, almost always lead to heresy. Yes, because you try to fill in the blanks. And... That, that's why that's why we as Lutherans are so comfortable with saying 
uh, and I love this phrase because it always irritates people. I don't know. Practice that because you should have said that about five <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, and that's, yeah. and the reason that we don't know is because God did not say so, and and that's okay. God wants us to know what God wants us to know. God has revealed to us what God wants us to be to be revealed, and nothing more, nothing less. And 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 actually, I've heard people say that that's part of the reason why they've they've come to the Lutheran Church has been because they the Lutheran Church for years has not tried to has not tried to fill in the blanks. And when you start to fill in the blanks. You start pulling things, you start making up things, you start adding things, and before you know it, you've got something that n- was never never intended to be put there in the first place. And so by not seeking answers, you're just accepting God for what he for what he has done and and that's okay. You know, God God is God, I am not, and and I'm gonna leave it leave it at that. And it goes the same thing with, with creation. So just just to pull on that for a second, pull on that thread. It's well, where was Jesus before uh, the creation? What was he doing? What was he doing? <laughs> Who was he? Well, we actually don't know until he he's introduced as the Word. Mm-hmm. But if I try to answer all those questions before you know it, I'm a Seventh Day Adventist mm-hmm. or a Mormon, or I have my own particular brand of heresy because I'm trying to right, create create out of whole cloth things that are not revealed or another good one because we're so adamant about it as Lutherans that we say that God himself dies on the cross mm-hmm. and then they will say how can God die and then pretty soon you're you're off in left field right. outer space trying to answer things that are not right. answerable yeah so but God needs to by the God way, I don't know the answer <laughs> well yeah I would say we, we talked about this we talked about this in one of my classes uh, a couple of years ago um, we were talking about just that, that concept of, you know, the different heresies that say, well, only the human nature of Christ died, right? Only, but the, but the, 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 the deified Christ, he, he did not die. Uh, and the, the, the answer that, that I was given, and I don't know if you were given any answers like this, Nick, and maybe you can chime in if, if you have, if any professors have ever said anything to you about it. But what our professor said was that, because God can't die, he needs to assume human nature so that he can die. Because if 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 just the human nature died, then it's no different than if you or I died. And if if it's God Himself that just dies, then it, it that that can't really happen. So God needs to take on human flesh so that God can die. That's the way that God can die is by taking on human flesh. And that's and I still don't understand how <laughs> how that happens, but that's you just that requires you to separate the two natures and that's all we're talking right, about. Right, and you're not and you don't want to do that. And you and can't that's, do that, really. Yeah, right. And that's I I've I've heard multiple people say that uh that almost all, almost all heresy begins with the separation of the two natures of Christ. How can God die? I, I don't know. I'm a Lutheran. Right. I just know I don't what God's know, word says. Yeah, I don't know how, but I know that he did. And that's, that's what we're getting, for, getting at before. We know God was very good at telling us what happened and even when it happened, but not why or how. <laughs> so he talks about here, page 12, 
philosophy, human philosophy, um, trying to answer these questions, the man in the middle trying to understand the beginning and the end. Who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? And I think you could wrap up the answers here. I mean, a lot of, a lot of words Ponhoffer uses, but reason leads to despair. Mm -hmm. I think that would be my short circuit answer to that. For sure. Because however you frame it, existentialism or whatever, you always end up with a purposelessness and a nothingness and an emptiness, a void. You know, mm -hmm. you don't really matter. What you do never mattered. What you will do will never matter. And where you came from doesn't matter. You know, just yeah. Who's who's the guy that is was? Uh, I got through the seminary, so I never tried to understand philosophers because they're dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> who's the, who's the one that said that if if nothing if everything is meaningless, then we're just like robots? Well, that was Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan. Meaningless, Meaning I think I said that earlier. Re reproductive ones. We have an instinctual need to recreate more meaningless yes. buses. Yes. Um, so, it, apart from Christ, you're left in despair. Mm -hmm. but Which is a good general rule of thumb anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... I think I mentioned to you both, a comedian, I can't remember the name, I listened to him on the radio yesterday, and he's on his tombstone, he wanted it inscribed, what was that all about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's where reason leaves you. Right. Or uh, the Peggy Lee song, Is That All There Is? Is That All There Is? Yeah, yeah. I know we've mentioned that on here before. That's, uh, that's where reason leads you. But where does the Word of God lead you? It's, again difficult to contemplate, but before before there was a beginning, God loved you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and we don't know what it, and we don't know what that before looks like. No. We don't know what that before the beginning looks like. And Dietrich says he says no question can penetrate behind God creating mm -hmm. because it is impossible to go behind the beginning. But he was already on that path, that trajectory of sending his son to the cross to die for you to bring you out of the kingdom of darkness right. into the kingdom of light from and into the new creation. From before the foundation yeah, of the before, earth. Before, you know, people said before there was a twinkle in your father's eye. Right. Yeah, no, way before, you know, if there was time, it would be like before God ever contemplated creation, he already loved us. Right. He already had a plan for us. He already... And so what is our purpose then? Our purpose is not defined by us, but defined by um, the love of God. Mm -hmm. So do you want to take a stab? Maybe we should let uh, the vicar take a stab at what time is to God. Because I think that might help. To he, yeah, he just put his book down. <laughs> We're going to have time now. So <laughs> when, because I think sometimes, because you know, we, we always say, well, you know, uh, you know, one minute or a thousand years to us is what uh, is a, a second in the in the eyes of, of God. Time isn't real. God is, you said, Nick, outside of time. Yeah, he's not bound by time. Yeah, expound on that a little bit, what that means. He was there before time. He created time. And we can't really understand that because we are created beings confined to time. 
You might even say enslaved to time. Enslaved to time. time. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a good. That's good. It, I think um, I always whenever I hear whenever I think of time, I think of. Um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the. What's the series of that? Um, the book series. Holy smokes. Uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Okay, so, jeez. Uh, Aslan, right? He, he um, I don't remember which book it, it was. It was early in the series, I think. But he um, he, he says that he's going to come. He said, I think he says it to Lucy. He says, I'm, I'm going to come back soon. And she says, well, when is soon? And he says, I call all times soon. And I think for, for God, it's, yeah, I, I call all time beginning. I call all time end. I call all time just soon. It, like, when, you know, when, when Christ decides or when God decides to send Jesus back, that's going to be soon. It's, but soon could be tomorrow. Soon could be years from now. And that, for, I mean, from the time that he even thought about creating in that void, that's when... Like that's soon. That's time. We talk about this. You can go into a long discussion about what happens when somebody dies, and because we were talking about this yesterday with a with a gentleman that that came to us, a gentleman that we hadn't seen in a while, and his girlfriend had just passed away, and and pastor, you you said you know her her last, you know when she closed her eyes, the next time that she opens when she opens them, she's gonna as be she's gonna as a Christian she's gonna be with she's gonna be with Jesus, and her next conscious thought is the resurrection. But for us, we can't wrap our heads around that because the resurrection could be years and years and years away from us. But when we die, our next conscious thought is going to be the resurrection. And it's just a weird thing to think about because God is outside of time and we're so confined to time. I think that's why, obviously, God has no has no trouble uh, accepting the beginning. He is the beginning. He is the end. And and for us, we're like we're trying to go beyond those things. So I'm gonna throw you a curveball. You ready? Yeah. Deepak Chopra, Indian spiritualist. Yes. 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 He says, I would listen to nothing to him about, about him from God, but he says time is just a, a physical function function of our spine in order to deal with reality that we order events so that we can process the events. But time time is within us, not outside of us. So, wow, that's interesting. Deep concept. I wonder if you could say it in German and maybe <laughs> he could but uh like like Dietrich, but time we can't imagine being uh, outside of time. But one day we will be mm-hmm. because I know we sing 10,000 years I'll be singing his praise in heaven but there won't be any years there's no years there's no time there's no time right so it will be forever but I don't know how clearly I don't know how that will be experienced right it's so weird because I only know how to experience things in time right like we're not going to be yeah we're not going to be thinking like wow you know like I we got here <laughs> four. It's been four years since since we got here, right? It's been it's been twenty minutes since we last saw so and so. It's been we're we're just not going to think that way, and that's that's bizarre to me. And yeah, it's ineffable. Can't you cannot wrap your mind? You cannot wrap your mind yeah, around that. I think we talked in Colossians, a Bible study yesterday, about Colossians. How is it that God can 
know the end from the beginning. We can't conceive of that except, well, wait a minute, he's outside of time. That's how he does it, because yeah. <laughs> he's outside, yeah. So I described that, I, you know, he, uh, Nick is watching, believe it or not, one of his assignments is watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Watch, not read. Yeah. He's taken that to heart. He's watched two of them so far. But, uh, you know. Godfather's next. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, we were discussing he's only watched the horrible remake of, uh, what was it again? Red Dawn. Red, no, the other one, the Western. Oh, the Magnificent Seven? Yeah, he's never seen the actual you one. You never saw the actual I I even saw the actual one. Yeah, so anyway, um, as he's watching, if I were watching The Lord of the Rings with him, he's experiencing it in time. Mm-hmm. But in my humanness, I know the end from the beginning. I know who's coming next, what's going to happen, who's going to say what. I know the ending. I, I can almost recite the... Uh, Screen credits mm-hmm. at the end. Right, right. I've seen it so many times, but that's just a very weak example of being outside looking in. Yeah. But yeah. So God is completely He's not bound by time. What does that say to us when we're absolutely bound by time? Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're H. G. Wells and you make a time machine. <laughs> but uh let's let's go back a minute. Because because there is a purpose, God's purpose in his creation and uh, redemption and uh, the new heaven and earth that defines us, gives us value, how, how then should we be different from those who are trapped in the despair of my life is meaningless, you know, I accumulate all this stuff, let's be Ecclesiastes, right? I, I get all this stuff together and my... I give it all. I have died, and somebody else gets it and wastes it all. I mean, what was the purpose? I'm paraphrasing, but yeah. It's all in vain. It's all in vain. Uh, pursuit of pleasure. I mean, Solomon tried all, all, all the happiness tracks: hard work, pleasure, accumulation, and stuff. And he ended up saying it's all vanity. Vanity, right? Yeah. Um, that's where a godless understanding of our place in time leads you to mm-hmm. despair um, emptiness um, but how should that be different for Christians well we have hope we don't we don't live in despair we have the hope of the resurrection we know that we're loved we're not just a random result of the big bang or anything like that we're created to be loved by God so no, we don't need to start what is the purpose of of our lives, um, as Luther defines it in in the small catechism, to live under Christ and His kingdom and everlasting, everlasting righteousness, blessedness, and innocence. Good job. You good left job. out part. Good job, Fort Wayne. That I may be His own. That I may be His own. Okay. Yeah, that's that at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. So let's take that phrase for a minute. That I may be His own. What does that mean? Uh, when we're talking about the what? overarching. So I'm purpose of creation and recreation if it's all about that I may be his yeah. own. So I'm thinking, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to try to give a com- complex answer because I really think it's very simple. Uh, you belong to Christ. And actually here, yeah. what, what Dietrich will find, s- don't panic. <laughs> uh, 
What so D, so Dietrich when he when he talks about this because this is where I actually want to kind of transition into uh, the resurrection um, on page well, seventeen. Let here. me hit a point that you just said. Yeah, I'm just going to expand. Not I am his own. I always was his own. I am his own. I will w- always, always be, be his own. Right, and that's a security that mm-hmm. the world does not know. Yeah, and I was in and with that like for for us, you know, we we put we put things in because that those words, I am now, I have been, I will be, those are time words. God just says you're mine. <laughs> right? From this, his viewpoint, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. from his viewpoint it's just it, you you are mine. And, and Dietrich Dietrich says that, you know, he's talking about the, you know, the the void in the creation that he says it's it's waiting the, that this cre this this void that is there, the that is um earth that is formless and void it says that the that obedient void the void that waits on god the void whose glory and existence are neither in itself nor in nothingness but only in god's action and then talks about the creation itself meaning us because we are part of god's creation we are i would argue his most precious creation but he says that this creature belongs to the creator so the things that god creates belong to god and so when we think of, of us, as, especially as Christians, our hope is certainly in, in the resurrection, certainly in, in, uh, in Christ, right? The, 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 the good answers that, that we share. And, but it's at, at, at the end of the day, we belong to Christ. We belong to the Creator because He created us. So in the song that we sing pretty much every Wednesday... Christ alone. Mm-hmm. There's there's a line there that always strikes me. I, I at least mentally stop every time. It's, I am His and He is he mine. Is mine. Yeah. yeah. That that's an irrevocable bond uh, that should actually give us all pause, right? Yeah. Oh. The great Lutheran hymn, "In Christ Alone." We talked about this last week or la- last last Wednesday night Did about we? that. Yeah, oh yeah, because because you said I don't know why it's not Lutheran because <laughs> it's oh, yeah. it's pure Lutheran theology. I I think you could stand up there and preach it from your pulpit. The, yes, you could. The actual words, and I have actually done that verse by verse, phrase by phrase. Absolutely, you can. Um, without amplification, just the words itself. If you don't get the message from what you're hearing, whoever that was that wrote that, I'm not sure. Right, right, right. But yeah. So shifting gears for for the sake of of time, because I do want to get through I do want to get through this chapter before we transition to chapter two, uh, which is uh, in just simply entitled the Word. So talking about God's Word and the power of His spoken word, he says. Dietrich says at the bottom of page 17, he says the God of the creation and of the real beginning is at the same time the God of the resurrection. And and I love this because Dietrich is tying creation to the resurrection. So bringing this whole thing, for lack of a better term, full circle, <laughs> he brings it back to what he was talking about at the very beginning in this inter- introduction, that the, the church speaks from the end, speaks of the end, speaks from the end, or speaks from the end and of the end. The God of creation and the real beginning is at the same time the God of, of the resurrection. From the beginning of the world is placed... From the beginning, the world is placed in the sign of the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Indeed, it is because we know of the resurrection that we know of God's creation in the beginning of God's creation out of nothing. The dead Jesus Christ of Good Friday 
and the resurrected Lord of Easter Sunday. That is creation out of nothing, creation from the beginning. The fact that Christ was dead did not mean the possibility of the resurrection, but its impossibility. It was void itself. There is absolutely no transition or continuity between the dead and the resurrected Christ except the freedom of God, which in the beginning created his work out of nothing. I just think that's a great, that's a great statement that it's, it just kind of speaks to that, the, that resurrection power, that power that God has, the, the same words that, that he spoke at the beginning uh, for Christ, by Christ, and it's those words that raise him out of nothing. Because, again, that human understanding, once you're dead, you're dead, and there is no possibility of coming back unless it's God working, and God is the, is the one who has the freedom to do that. So you could say, one could say that yeah, the purpose of the creation, Jesus, God the Father through Christ created the heavens and the earth, but the purpose is like an arc that's going from that moment through the passion, through the resurrection, through the second coming. And so the ultimate purpose of the first creation was to achieve the second, the second creation. right? Yeah, It's not like, well, this is how things worked out. It's actually, from the beginning, this was God's purpose. Mm-hmm. And then we could say, why? And then Luther can have someone cut some more canes <laughs> <laughs> and beat us senseless. Right. Uh, we don't know why. Um, but, yeah. And, and then he, he kind of ends this, this statement. I'm not going to go into a whole lot else other than this. If you... I, again, I, I would tell you that if you want to, to read this, uh, g- grab the book and a bottle of whiskey and you'll be fine. Um, but I do like what he says here. He says, by his resurrection, so by Christ's resurrection, we know of the creation. For if he were not resurrected, the creator would be lifeless and would not bear witness to himself. And going down a little bit further, in the beginning, out of freedom, out of nothing, God created the heavens and the earth. That is the comfort with which the Bible addresses us, who we who are in the middle, right? we talk about that middle space, mm. who are anxious before the false void, the beginning without a beginning and the end without an end. It is the gospel. It is the resurrected Christ of whom one is speaking here. God is in the beginning and he will be in the end. He is free regarding the world. The fact that he lets us know that know this is mercy, grace, forgiveness, and comfort. I don't typically think we think of the creation this way. No. And I think I think it's really I think it's really uh, an interesting way of of, of so thinking. So let me that. clarify. You're saying get the book, mm-hmm. get the bottle, mm-hmm. and you can't understand Bonhoeffer apart from the spirit, <laughs> right? Or, or, or spirits. Okay. Indeed, indeed. Any other closing comments from either one of the either either one of you? Either one of the two of you. Either one of you. You're bleeding. Am I? Yeah. Are you? <laughs> Sometimes we get a little we get a little rambunctious. That's in the wrong place for a stigmata. We get a little rambunctious here on oh, the okay. Jesus Teacher Give Me podcast. So Pastor Hill's going to get a band aid, and we are going to be heading down to to the family of God for tonight's activities. Uh, we hope that you all have a have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to today. We will be back next week. Looking at chapter 2, talking about the Word, and I am can just about guarantee that there will be connections to the Word made flesh. Thanks again, everybody. If no one's told you yet, God loves you, and so do we. 
Take care. We'll talk with you next time. Jesus Teacher Good Me is a Family of God Lutheran Church podcast. Thank you again so much for tuning in today for today's episode. If you haven't had a chance yet, make sure that you go to www.fogdetroit.com. You can find some more content, some more ways that you can be involved and donate and be a part of the ministry. We are grateful for each and every one of you. We cannot do what we do without you. Have a great week, everyone. We will talk with you next week. Have a good weekend. Thank you.